preach a similar message to youth. I forgot you guys would all be here. So welcome to round two. Although you probably don't remember anyway, so it'll be fine. Um, you, is it a timer? Oh, it's a, it's a recorder. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started early so I could have more time. Uh, and then, um, but the, the hope for this message is not to tell you something radically new, but to refresh your soul in the biblical truth so that you can love it again and be motivated by it again and really set you guys up in the young adult community and members of our churches um, to be disciples who are in community for the year. And one of the things that we talk about, you know, Sovereign Grace often, and we've had sermon series on it, is that church, you know, our church community is the dearest place on earth. Have you heard that line before? It's to, from Charles Spurgeon. He talks about, you know, there's no perfect churches, and if there was a perfect church and I was to join it, it would then be an imperfect church. You know, I would ruin it. But still, even with all of its imperfections, the church is the dearest place on earth. Another thing we often say is that Sunday is the best day of the week. You know, we love Sunday. Another thing that's been said um, by C.J. Mahaney, who started Sovereign Grace, is at the end of when we were in Louisville living there, the end of every Sunday, he'd kind of lean over the pulpit and say, I wish tomorrow was Sunday again. You know, this kind of idea that community and gathering as God's people for worship is the highlight of his week and the central focus of his week. Um, And that may be true for you. Uh, But it might not really be true for you. It depends, you know, for each one of us at different stages, you know, we can interact with those statements as like a statement that Dave says. And of course he says that. It's his job. Of course Sunday's the best day of the week. He gets paid. He only works one day of the week. Exactly. Um, And Brandon, yeah. Um, Or it can just be something that we say but don't truly believe. Um, So it can be helpful to test, you know, do we really believe that Sunday and church community, and when we gather as God's people, is truly that valuable. And I actually use this kind of idea in a sermon at Para and at Youth, so it may be old to you already. But, you know, we say we love it, but do we really? So here's the scenario. Imagine if I was to offer you one billion Zimbabwean dollars. No, one billion United States dollars. One billion, okay? Not one million. Like, one million gets you an apartment. One billion would at least get you two in Sydney. One billion dollars. But here's the proviso. You're never allowed to be a part of a church community again for the rest of your days. Big, fat, whopping one billion dollars. What are you laughing at? I'm trying to... Did I get something wrong? No, okay. I just thought, I thought maybe I meant, there was something on my picture because I didn't really look at it. I was like, oh, maybe there's something wrong in it. So, like, uh-oh, you know, when you download something too quick. One billion dollars, but you're never allowed to be part of church again. You can be a Christian, you can read the Bible, you can listen to sermons online, but you can never have community. Would you take it? One bill. You know, let's, let's pass it around. Just start imagining what could you buy for a billion dollars? What could you experience for a billion dollars with a billion dollars? And ask yourself the hard question. In your heart of hearts, and be honest, because otherwise it won't work, and you don't, no one's going to have to answer, but until group time. <laughs> um, would you take it? Would you be tempted to take it? Uh, and the reason why it's good to ask a question like that is because we can say certain things are true, but when push comes to shove, do we really believe it to be true? Um, now, most of the time, it's not going to be a billion-dollar thing on the stakes, but in the week-to-week of life, church community can be bumped by so many things 
can be bumped by a work commitment, a friendship opportunity, a date perhaps. It can be bumped by, you know, the, the family, your family meets every Sunday morning. So what are you going to do? Or, you know, there's various things that can put us into that situation where we have to decide what do I value more in this moment? Church community or other community or church community or financial opportunity, church community or put in your X, Y and Z. Would you give up church community for other things? Do you give up church community for other things? Today I want us to discuss what does it mean to be a disciple in community? And the basic one point I want to give us is this. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ in community is to build your life around your local church. And it's not a revolutionary statement, but it is a statement that will revolutionize your life. It'll change the way you view things and orient your decisions and your your purchases and relationships and time to be a disciple of jesus is to be committed to a local church that's what it means so three points tonight very quickly um, the value of church community secondly um, the challenge of church community and thirdly committing to church community so point number one the value of church community for you you know as you hold that billion dollars you might be like, is it really worth it um would you take it or not And on the day-to-day, week-to-week decisions, is it really worth it to go to church? I remember when I first joined Sovereign Grace, I think we missed probably about every third or fourth Sunday. Just a family event, this event, a friend's birthday party, a six-month-old birthday party. You know, just anything that was on, we're like, well, I guess we've got to go because we've got this commitment to them. So I wanted us to take us and give us five reasons why we ought to value church community such that we would never take the billion dollars. It's like wouldn't even be a thought to us. Five biblical reasons why we should value church community. Number one, we should value our church community because Jesus died for our church community. In Ephesians 5.21, the Apostle Paul says, I'm I'm not going to use my Bible. I'm going to take forever tonight. I got the Bible here. Um, Husbands, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to quote from the Quran. It's actually just easier. Um, It's very Parramatta. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you ever needed a reason to value your church community and the body of believers that God has put you together with, that the Son of God died for them, purchased their souls and drew you guys into community together. That he's actually knitting you all together. And therefore, you know, the value that he placed on buying for himself a church was his own life. And therefore, our value ought to reflect that. A second reason, though, uh, that we can value, that can help us to kind of see rightly through our millennial culture and, you know, what goes on in our heart structures. A second reason is to see what the purpose of church is for. Um, So the second reason that we should value church community is that the church is actually on cosmic display. Our little local churches in Parramatta and Warunga aren't just, you know, a little service that we attend. Uh, they're actually on display to the universe. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 through 10 says that Paul came to preach the gospel to um, Jew and Gentile to bring them together, verse 10, so that through the church, through community, this church community, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. When we gather in some small way, somehow, God holds up our churches to say, look what I can do. 
I can bring the weird, the cool, the, the rich, the poor, the smart, the unsmart, <laughs> all together into one room, and they love each other. And so when we gather as a church, we're on cosmic display. And so you don't want to miss that. Like, that, that, that's a pretty significant thing. You know, people are wanting stardom and, you know, celebrity status and being liked on Instagram. And Well, actually, the church is where God is saying, look how much I love and look what I'm doing. Here you go. Look at it. Cosmic powers and rulers. This is what I can do. And so you want to be a part of that. Thirdly, another reason why we ought to value church community is because the planting and strengthening of local churches across the world is what God is doing in the world. God's plan and only plan is to spread the gospel through making disciples who they then gather into local little communities and then they spread the gospel to another place and another church starts and a church starts and a church starts from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth and you end up in Northmead. God's plan, God's great mission, the great thing that God is doing in the world, and there's many things he's doing, but the central thing he's doing is starting and strengthening local churches. And so when we think, ah, where should church fit in my life? Well, it's actually at the very center of God's plan. It is his plan. Number four, we need the church. We should value church community because we desperately need it. Hebrews 3 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But instead, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. You see, we actually can't make it as Christians on our own. Find me one thriving, fruitful, amazing Christian who's not a part of a good, healthy local church. And maybe, okay, you can think of one. Then let's see what their life's like in five years' time. There's no role for solo Christians in God's economy. We actually all need community. We can't survive without it as a Christian. We always have this tendency to be falling away and that's why we need community to help us stay on the path so that we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We need this, you know, people in this room, the people in our churches to exhort us, to remind us, to rebuke us, to help us, to give us mercy when we need mercy, to, give, to rejoice with us when we need rejoicing, to be you know, the, the shoulder to cry on and the friend to hang out with. We need that. And we need the spiritual encouragement. And so for us, we ought to value the local church community because we desperately need it. And the final reason, and there's so many we could give, but a final reason for tonight is not only is the church, what you know, Jesus died for our local churches. Not only is it on cosmic display. So there's way more going on on a Sunday and in these group times than you can ever imagine. You know, not only is it the central plan of what God is doing in the earth, so we're not missing out if you invest yourself in a local church. You're not missing out. You're actually aligning yourself to God's will. And not only do you need the church, but also your church community needs you. You see, the way community works is God has made it a body with many various parts. And the only way a church community works is if each part plays their part. We all need to be a part of the church and we all need to play our part. 
And so for the health and the strengthening of our local churches, each one of us needs to be there and each one of us needs to use the gifts that we've been given. And you might think, oh, what have I got to give in my you know, expression? There's already so many gifted people, etc., etc. But Paul anticipates this in, in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Think about that. Just think about yourself for a second. God has arranged you in your local church. He arranged it and has given you a particular gift mix, life experience, personality type so that you can be a part of strengthening that local church, seeing it grow from health to health, being a part of not just the church as an institution, but particular individual brothers and sisters in your church who need you, who God is going to use to encourage, to spur on, to make an internal difference in people's lives. You could probably think of people who've been parts of your church body now or previous church bodies you've been a part of that have been that to you. And so we ought to value church community because not only do we need the body, but we get to be a part of it too. J.I. Packer says it like this. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotion. We should recognize rather that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity. For God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellowship with other Christians and requires us to be fed constantly for its own deepening and enrichment. Would we trade in the church for a billion dollars? The church that's on display, the church that Jesus died for, the church that's at the center of God's plan, the church that you need and the church that you get to be a part of. Would you trade it in for a billion dollars? As tempting as it is, I wouldn't touch it for a second. Because I've come through God's grace to learn just how desperately I need my local church and how much joy there is when you're fully invested in it. However, you know, as you, know, as you get further and deeper into community, the grandness of it can start to wane off. And actually, the further and deeper you go into real community, the harder community gets. That leads us to point number two, the challenge of community. So we can see the value of it. It's clear. It's biblical. You can't get away from it. But I wouldn't want to like paint it in rosy pictures. Community is challenging. I've got a whole bunch of reasons why community can be challenging. Now, fake community is not challenging. Unified, like sort of like a, cliques are not challenging because you all like the same thing. But church community is challenging because you smash together with a whole bunch of different people that you would never be friends with if you could choose right and so what you end up with is a whole bunch of different challenges so i'll just name them bit by bit so everyone there was too many amens for that point it was like, whoa first one first challenge of community can be connection um you might find that oh, i don't feel like i fit or i plug in or you might feel like oh, i feel way connected to people outside of my community rather than inside and that can make you doubt like really should i be here or not Another challenge can be change. You might join a community, you'd be loving it, and then people move. 
life groups change, people get married or have kids and suddenly they're not as cool as they used to be and they're not hanging out all night. And you're like, oh, what's going on? I didn't sign up for this. Communities change. Thirdly, you can become disillusioned. You can have all types of expectations of what a good community should be like, a good friendship should be like, a good you know, church should be like. And your expectations are continually not met. And you can start to be like, what is this? This is, not what I, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I was hoping. What's going wrong? Another challenge is you can get into disagreements um, with fellow Christians. And that gets awkward. Whether it be over doctrine or how they handle things. And you can get into these times where real community requires you to make reconciliation. And pursue them in fellowship and actually work out the disagreement. Yet it's so much easier most of the time just to move on and find a new church or find a new group. But true community challenges us to actually overcome that. And some of us, it's really hard and we don't want it. Another challenge is that just we, in this age group, in this stage, is just opportunities. A job offer in another area, another, you know, another um, country even. Um, a, A new church that started that just seems more exciting than the current church you're in. Like, you're Wurunga, and then you're like looking at Parame, you're like, this is amazing. Um, you get a free shirt. I mean, at Wurunga, you got to pay for your shirt. At Parame, you get a free one. What? I should just change, you know. It'd be easier, you know, less of a commute, it'd be fine. Uh, opportunities come up, and it can be really hard to turn them down. And it's not wrong to take an opportunity, but it can be a challenge to be committed to your community. Another challenge can be just correction. Someone rebukes you. You're like, whoa, <laughs> hey, calm down. I've seen you do this, you know, and, and when real community is working, people are correcting and rebuking one another. And that can actually, oh, that feels uncomfortable and wrong. Or you feel like you need to rebuke someone, but you don't have the courage to do it. And then they keep doing things that annoy you. And you're like, ah, what am I meant to do? And I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And the final um, challenge of community can just be, it can just be more convenient not to be a part of it. Because community takes sacrifice. Community takes commitment. Community, church community, Christian community, takes a huge amount of passion, energy, and what's the word I'm looking for? Intentionality uh, for it to work properly and well. And so community is awesome. Like the Bible has a huge central place on it, but it's also really challenging, which is why a lot of the New Testament letters are written. They're written because they're communities. They're smashed together with Jew and Gentile and old and young and slave and free. And Paul's writing to them and Peter's writing to them, James writing to them, trying to figure out how do they live in Christian community because there ain't other church for them to join. They actually have to figure it out, um, which, you know, is actually better than just moving on. So what do we do? We've got the value. We want it. We can see the fruit of it when it actually works well. We've got the challenge. Well, that's point number three committing to your church community to really meet the two the challenge and the value of church the way to bring the two together is actually to commit to your local church and the people in it not just the institution but the real people so you have to do the most unmillennial thing possible (laughs) cut off all your options and say i'm with these people no matter what i'm with them for better or worse i'm with them with their ugliness and their beauty I'm with them, these people, and not these people. 
And that's a real challenge for us, I think, in our cultural moment because we have the, the window of social media to see what's going on in everywhere else. Uh, we have opportunities coming at us in our age and stage in life. And it can be hard to actually draw the line and say, these people, I'm doing it. I'm cutting off all our options in a sense and I'm committing to them as long as God would have me here. It can almost feel wrong. It can almost feel like, you know, am I signing up to a call? Like, what's going on? But actually, it's, it's what the Bible calls for, for church community to actually happen. You see, Jesus said, um, before, just before he died, he said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You would also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, love is not convenient. Love is not quick. Love is sacrificial and costly. Love is long-term and looks, has to look like something. And commitment, or well, community, requires that level of commitment. It actually requires us looking at each other and saying, I'm with you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you, even if you're really annoying. <laughs> or even if I really like you. Like, it, 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 it can't just be based on our personal preference. Um, author and speaker Chuck Colson said it like this. I have to pick it up because I can't read that far. Entering into community life involves a conversion, as real as my initial one in a sense, from being concerned primarily about my individual good to taking a concern for the common good. I pass from superficial relationships based primarily on my convenience and a desire to have my needs met to relationships based on self-sacrifice and a commitment to meeting others' needs. That's a good sentence. Well, more than one. Entering into community life involves a conversion. To have real community, we actually have to be totally different. We have to reject our natural impulses and desires to be self-preferential and actually be group preferential and actually be looking to serve rather than be served. It's a real challenge. And that's why, to meet the two, the value and the challenge, we need to be committed to our local churches. So what does that commitment look like? What does it look like to be converted in and actually have commitment as a legitimate thing as part of your life? Well, going back to the point which I said at the very beginning, to be disciples of Jesus Christ in community is to build your life around your local church. It's pretty simple. It's something we say all the time, but it's actually a life-changing truth. To build your life around your local church is to commit to the Sunday gathering. Because at the Sunday gathering is not just music and coffee machines, but it's people that Christ died for, that you get to be a part of serving and using your gifts for and checking in with them and sitting next to them and modeling to them when you worship and when you sing, when you read the Bible. People are looking and watching. So your presence on the Sunday morning is not just you attending, it's you building and being a part of it. Committing to your local community means giving to your local community. It means serving in your local community. It means being a part of group life um, and being involved in the family side of things. It means submitting to your leaders and actually going with them rather than butting up against them. And it means being a builder, not a consumer. So kind of first thing about what it looks like to be committed into church community is to build your life around it. 
It's not like a peripheral part of your life, like, oh yeah, I do a bit of church on Sundays, but really, the real thing going on in my life is this. Now, based on the doctrine of church and what it is, we build our life and put it in the center and everything else flows out from it. And we can be content and know that we're not wasting our lives if we do that. It's not like just, you know, the pastor trying to make his institution work. I'm not saying it for that. I'm saying it because I think that's what the Bible teaches and it's for our health. Secondly, to be committed in a community is to see yourself as an owner, not a consumer, which is sort of like the last part of the last point I said. It's to see yourself not as like, it's not Brendan's young adult community or <laughs> Brendan's church or Dave's church or Patrick's church or whatever life group you're in. It's not their life group. It's your life group that you're an integral part of the body in. Rather than being a consumer where you're like, oh, I'll just turn up and receive what they have to give me. You're thinking ahead. You think, how can I make this happen? How can I make it better? How can I serve this person? How can I anticipate a need? How can I use the gifts that God's given me to bless other people? When you turn up at church on Sunday, you're not thinking, I wonder what they're going to give me. You're thinking, how can I be a part of receiving because that's humble and giving because that's also humble? We want to be owners of our community. And one of the questions I'm going to get you to ask, just because I was just praying about the message as I saw everyone around here, and I just thought, here's the question really to ask is, I think you guys got good community and our churches are really good at it. The question I want to ask though is, what type of community are you building? Because it's easy to eat pizza and hang out, play a bit of Finska, and miss the incredible opportunity we have as Christians. Waiting for someone else to bring up the spiritual conversation. Waiting for someone else to lay hands and pray. Waiting for someone else to have a prophetic impression. Waiting for someone else to bring up the God conversation, to initiate a discipleship relationship, to get along someone who's struggling, to you know, encourage someone who's doing something really well. It's easy to wait and let everyone else do it and eat the pizza and play the Finska. <laughs> and it's fun and, that, and that's part of normal life and we ought to do that. But if we're owners and committed to our communities, then we can be a part of actually making it better. So the question, really, I think, for our young adults is, what type of community are you building? And what are you doing to make it better? We all need to be a part, but we all need to play our parts as well. And finally, last thing, I think the last thing it means to be committed to your local church community is actually to invite others to join it. Whether there are others in, outside of the friendship group of this group, inviting people to join it so that we always have outward-facing circles. We don't create a young adult's clique where unless you're a young adult, you can't join or... You know, your life group, you can't, I'm not friends with you, you're not my life group, you're, you're not part of it. Or even just your, if it gets big enough, you'll always end up breaking down into cliques of people of mutual interest. Being committed to real community means always having openness and room for other people to join. Other people to become your new best friend. Other people to serve. But more than that, inviting unbelievers in so that they don't miss out on the incredible thing that church community is that to go and make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, so that more and more people in our areas will come to know and love Jesus and that the community grows. The point of good Christian community isn't to get them in, keep it tight, lock it up, make it good, figure it out. It's actually always expanding and growing and spreading. So what does it look like for us this year in our local churches? We ought to value the local church community like God values it. He sent his son to purchase it. We need to overcome the challenges of church community. When you smash all these sinners together, well, sin's going to happen, right? So don't be, you know, don't be 
shocked when someone does something wrong in this community and you're like, I can't believe they did that. Well, no, of course they're going to do it. You would do it too. You're a sinner. It's going to happen. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be people that don't like you and there's going to be people that you don't like. And the beauty of church community is you've got to figure it out and find a way to love and serve each other. And you do that by being committed, by saying, I'm with you no matter what. Unless the Lord moves me on, I'm going to give it like this is where I'm at for the rest of my life. And in that process, you get to be part of building something which is beautiful. Because as you love one another, you display God's love to the world. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to split it down into some groups. And really, I think just, I had a bunch of questions, but I think just the one question will be helpful is what type of community are you trying to build? Um, are you trying to bring yourself? Like how do you want to see this group be a group that actually operates in full, true, loving, Christian fellowship and community? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that we get to hang out tonight, that your word teaches us and corrects us, reorients us from our selfishness to selflessness, from our individuality to corporate, um, to corporate gathering, from being you know, focused in to be focused out. God, I ask that you would do a miraculous thing, that you would build community amongst different people in a way that there's genuine love, genuine spiritual fellowship, Would you protect these communities and their unity from the evil one? Uh, Lord, who would love to sow bitterness and envy and jealousy and fighting and um, disdain, silent gossip and a look of, you know, frustration. But instead, may there be love and gentleness and long-suffering and peace. Lord, we thank you that we get to do this, that you give us this privilege of being in community. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.